Hi everyone, my name is Ryan Alexander and I serve as the lead pastor at Hosanna. As we've been saying for years, we believe the Lord led you here. And we hope that what you hear today will encourage you to take a step forward in your faith journey and help you look more like Jesus. After today's message, I encourage you to download the Hosanna app for more opportunities to connect and grow. Here's today's message. So good to be here with you today. Uh, my name is Per Nielsen, and I function as the executive pastor of Campus Ministry. And since the summer of 2019, I've also functioned as the Lakeville Campus Pastor. I was placed in that role by Pastor Ryan um, after our previous campus pastor took another call and uh, said I would serve in that role through an interim position. And then in the spring of 2020, COVID hit. And we decided that it was just natural for me to continue in that role of Lakeville Campus Pastor along with my other role of Executive Pastor of Campus Ministries for as long as was determined necessary. Well, uh, the executive team and Pastor Ryan, through prayerful de deliberation, have determined that it's time to hand over the Lakeville Campus Pastor role to somebody who can focus specifically on the Lakeville Campus. So while I, have, I will continue walking with the Lakeville Campus, overseeing the Lakeville Campus, Pastor Eric particularly, um, after he is installed today, along with the other campuses, we really wanted to bring somebody in who could give particular attention to this campus, to fulfill God's calling for this place in Hosanna's larger ministries. So after much, much prayerful deliberation with our executive team uh, interviewing, uh, we have determined that now is the time to do just that. Having said all of that, I'm gonna turn things over to Pastor Ryan for the presentation this morning. Well, good morning, everyone. This is uh, really an exciting time uh, for Hosanna, Hosanna Lakeville in particular. And after prayerful deliberation and examina examination by me and the executive team, I present Eric Pock to be installed as campus pastor of the Lakeville campus of Hosanna Church. <laughs> Eric has been on staff at Hosanna for eight years, fulfilling four staff roles. He is passionate in his service to the Lord and is a champion of Hosanna's mission. He has been called to serve the Lakeville campus for such a time as this. Amen. Amen. Would you join me in extending a hand of blessing? Oh, yes, Lord, for such a time as this, Eric has been called. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for all the studies and all the schooling now is finished. The last paper is written. And now we see, as we've prayed earlier, that the, the seeds of Eric's efforts are becoming fruit, fruit of the Spirit. So we thank you for this couple, Lord, this partnership and the leadership at this campus. We look forward with you, Lord, to all that you have to do for such a time as this. Amen. Now, Pastor Eric, um, I've got a few questions for you, and um, Brian, we're so grateful that you are walking this journey with him. Uh, the support and encouragement that you have offered him through the years is really, really remarkable. So can we give Brian a round of applause as well? Yeah. As always, we want to stand on God's word as we step forward in his missional call, and particularly on this day, I read from 1 Timothy. Eric, set the believers an example in speech and conduct, in love and faith and purity. Attend to the public reading of scripture, to exhorting, to teaching. 
Do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you through prophecy with the laying out of hands by the council of elders. Put these things into practice. Devote yourself to them so that all may see your progress. Pay co close attention to yourself and to your teaching. Continue in these things, for in doing so, you will save both yourself and your hearers. And so, Eric, in the presence of this body of believers, Will you commit yourself to the position of Lakeville campus pastor in the confidence that the Holy Spirit has led you here for the purposes of God's kingdom? If so, please say, I will and I ask God to help me. I will and I ask God to help me. Will you preach and teach in accordance with the Holy Scriptures? Will you carry out this ministry in harmony with the guidelines of Hosanna Church focused on its mission and vision? If so, I will and I ask God to help me. I will and I ask God to help me. Will you be diligent in your study of the Holy Scriptures and in proclamation of the gospel? Will you love, serve, and pray for God's people, nourish them with the word and with sacraments, and lead them by your own example in faithful service and holy living? If so, I will and I ask God to help me. I will and I ask God to help me. Amen. And now to those at the Lakeville campus of Hosanna, will you support Eric in this calling through prayer, encouragement, and working alongside him in carrying out Hosanna's mission and vision. If so, please respond, we will. And now, Eric, may the God of peace who raised Jesus from the dead, may you complete in every good work so that you may do God's will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Lakeville Campus, I now present to you your Lakeville Campus pastor, Mr. Eric Pock. Amen. Uh, Eric, Eric will be sharing his first message at Lakeville Campus pastor in just a moment. Turn around and welcome one another to worship, if you would, before you sit down, okay? Good morning, church. How are you all doing today? Good, good. You know, it's funny, a uh, pair whispered in my ear earlier. He said, you know what? If this first message doesn't go well, there's still time to uninstall you as campus pastor. So, <laughs> nice confidence. Thanks, pair. I'm just kidding. Pear didn't say that. Ryan did. <laughs> well, my name is Eric Pock, and I serve as the Lakeville campus pastor, which I just have to say brings me great joy and great honor. Thank you for loving me and for caring for me and Brianne. I'm so honored and humbled to be able to serve in this new capacity. We have a great message planned for today and I have been really looking forward to this. And so I wanna thank you for being here in the room, especially on Labor Day when you could be away at your cabin. And I also wanna say hi to those of you joining us online who maybe you are at your cabin, wherever you are. I'm so grateful that we can be together to enjoy God's word. 
Today, uh, as we continue in our time of worship, as we usually do, we are actually going to receive our tithes and our offerings. And for those of us who are Christians, we do this because we believe that everything we have is God's. And this sacred practice simply reminds us of that truth. And it helps us to be able to invest in multiplying the hope and the heartbeat of Jesus in and through this church. So, Hosanna, thank you for being generous with your giving. If you'd like to participate, you can do so by texting Hosanna Give to 94,000, uh, going online to our website or our mobile app to do so. But thank you, church, for being generous because it helps people to know Jesus and grow in their faith in him. And I am so grateful to be a part of a church that is this generous. Now, as we begin our time of worship with the message, I gotta tell you, I've been looking forward to this because we have been on a journey through the entire Bible together this year, specifically uh, going through the mega themes of scripture in a series called The Bigger Story. And oftentimes, as we've been doing this, we've been taking a moment to pause and look at particular books or several books of the Bible. But today's theme and today's topic is actually focused primarily on something that we find throughout all of Scripture, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament. And I'm really excited about this because it's really important for us. It's so important, in fact, that Jesus uh, actually gave this commandment through his servant Moses in the Old Testament as one of the original Ten Commandments. And yet, unlike many of the Ten Commandments, we, even as Christians, often kind of dispute the relevance of this message, uh, of this commandment for our modern lives. It's funny because many of the other 10 commandments we don't do this with. You won't find most Christians arguing or debating the relevance of not murdering people or of not stealing or of not cheating on your spouse or all sorts of other things. But this commandment uniquely is questioned by many Christians and typically not practiced all the time in our lives myself included. So what is this topic? It is the topic and the mega theme of rest. Rest. Now, I've got to be able to tell you that rest isn't just a problem for us in our culture. It's been a challenge for me too. As a matter of fact, in my role here at Hosanna, I'm in a season right now of reworking my rhythms of rest to be able to honor the Lord well and to be able to serve this community well. And it's such an important thing for us to recognize because even in the New Testament, in Hebrews chapter four, the author of Hebrews actually gives a warning to us not to miss out on this great gift of rest. Specifically, it says in Hebrews 4.1 that God's promise of entering his rest stands. So we ought to tremble with fear that some of you might fail to experience it. A little later in verse three, it says, for only we who believe, as in believe in Jesus, can enter his rest. Now, this is referring not just to rest on a regular basis, but even the eternal rest that comes with the promise of heaven and being able to enjoy this relationship with the Lord. So this is an important topic, and it's something that we struggle with. Typically for us as Christians, myself included, we tend to look at rest in one of two ways. We're either overly legalistic and rigid about this rule of rest of following this commandment. Uh, some people wrestle with that, and we certainly see that in Scripture, as we're going to see. And then on the other end of things, we can be so ignorant of our need for rest that we just don't practice it at all, or we don't even think that it's a part of our faith practice. At either end, at either extreme, we miss out on the fullness of the gift that God gives us for rest. 
In my own life, I've fallen into both proverbial ditches of either focusing on rest too much in a legalistic manner or being ignorant of it. On the legalistic side of things, it makes me think of early in my faith journey. I was a college student, and I uh, had a, a friend of mine, a, a, a dorm roommate, who said, hey, can you help me move out of my dorm? And I gotta tell you, this guy is not the person you wanna help move out of a dorm. You don't show up, and he's got things neatly packed in boxes. That's not who this is. Instead, this is the kind of guy who you would show up, there would be a million plates still dirty from months of not being washed. I mean, like concrete on these things. There would be papers and books scattered all throughout the entire room where you wouldn't be able to tell if it was him or his roommates. And he would have piles of clothing that had a strange stench. And if you looked at them too closely, they would almost kind of like pulse. It was pretty horrifying. Some of you as parents in this room know what I'm talking about. You're like, our kids have that right now. <laughs> it was horrifying. And so you know what I did? I didn't go, yeah, as a new Christian, this is a great opportunity to help somebody in need, to help them move. No, in all the great wisdom of my new faith in Jesus, I said, shoot, you know what? You want me to help you move on my Sabbath day of rest. And so I'm not gonna be available. I'm so sorry, you know? <laughs> pretty half-hearted. And this was a fail on my part, friends. This was a fail because this guy wasn't a follower of Jesus. So by me using my day of rest as an excuse not to help him, do you think that communicated the hope and the heartbeat of Jesus well? No. And thank God this guy ended up following Jesus later on, no thanks to my moving ability because I didn't help him, but it was a legalistic approach to rest. On the other extreme, and this is where I think most of us would find ourselves, it's the, the ignorant approach to rest, to thinking we don't need it. And in my life, I, I fall into this more often than the legalistic side. There are times of my life where I just work so hard, I ignore my need for rest as a part of my growing faith journey, my reliance on the Lord. There are times where I think, you know what, there's another email I can send, another person I can try and share the gospel with, a, uh, another hospital visit to do, all sorts of things. And these aren't bad in and of themselves, but they will become bad if I allow them to get in the way of me resting as a part of my worship to the Lord. A lot of people deal with this, not just pastors. For medical professionals, there's always another chart that you could update. If you're a teacher, there's always another syllabus you could update or another student to meet with. As a business owner, there's another connection you could make. It is so easy for us to work ourselves so hard that we miss out on God's gift of rest. And we see this in our culture too. In our culture, we have a rest deficit, a very significant rest deficit that I wanna illustrate to you with a couple of statistics. Listen to these, this is shocking. Tragically, fatigue contributes to over 100,000 police-reported highway crashes causing 71,000 injuries and 1,500 deaths each year in the United States alone. Americans spend more than half a billion dollars a year trying to get better sleep, and many don't succeed. A study by the National Institute of Mental Health revealed that 800,000 pounds of barbiturates are consumed each year in this country, and they add that neither patients nor many of their doctors are entirely aware of the potential dangers involved with drug-related sleep. Other studies show that one in five Americans can wrestle with stress-related insomnia. 
a global Christian ministry called Focus on the Family stated that the number one attack on the family is exhaustion and busy schedules. It rated this higher than infidelity or financial issues or unemployment. They said, no, the number one attack on the family is exhaustion and busy schedules because it leads to families not spending time together at the dinner table, children being neglected, and spouses failing to date one another. Our Lakeville High School pastor, Emma Larson, was talking to me earlier this week, and she mentioned a new term that I hadn't heard before called the Sunday Scaries. Has anybody heard of this before, the Sunday Scaries? Good. I'm glad I'm not the only one who hasn't heard about this. This is a term that people use to refer to a feeling of dread or significant anxiety on Sunday because you look at Monday and your work of school or your work ahead of you and you feel so anxious and dread. They call it the Sunday scaries. I think the fact that a term like this even exists for our young people, Gen Z and younger, is pretty telling that our culture has a rest deficit. But let me get a little bit more personal with you. Do you have a rest deficit? I'm gonna ask you a few questions here that you don't need to reply to out loud, but I want you to seriously consider these in your mind and in your heart as I read them because I believe that the Lord is giving us a loving wake-up call. Are you constantly exhausted and on the verge of breaking down? Is it impossible for you to stop working even when you don't need to? Do vacations feel like a burden to you rather than a blessing? Do you get back from vacation and immediately need another vacation? Would your family members or friends say that they don't get enough time with you? Are you neglecting to spend meaningful quality time with the Lord in scripture and in prayer? Do you skip spending time worshiping the Lord with other believers because of your busy schedule? Or when opportunities to serve others in the church arise, does your schedule prevent you from doing so? If you answered yes to any of these questions, chances are you are missing out on the fullness of the gift of rest that God gives to us. But thankfully, God in his infinite wisdom and his love for us shows us throughout scripture what it looks like to engage in this gift of rest and what it means to avoid some of these pitfalls that I mentioned earlier. So if you have your Bibles with you, I encourage you to grab those or open up your Bible apps to Genesis chapter two. And this is the first instance that we see within scripture where God doesn't just talk about rest, he actually demonstrates it. Check this out, Genesis two, verses two through three says this. On the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation, so he rested from all of his work. And God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy because it was the day when he rested from his work of creation. I love this first example that God demonstrates during creation because it shows us that rest isn't just stopping to work, it's also enjoying the goodness of our work. When you read all of Genesis, you see that God creates the sky and the sea and the land and the lights and and all the creatures, birds, and all the ocean creatures, all sorts of amazing things, and he creates humanity, and as he looks at them, he says, these are good, and in the case of us humans, he says, it is very good. He enjoys his work as a part of rest. He enjoys it, he looks at it, and he says, this is good. That's important for us to reflect on because 
We can, on our days of rest, or our moments of rest, be able to look back at the work that we've done and say, that is good. I'm grateful to God that he helped me to do this. You know, this happens to me a lot during the summer. Uh, I actually just did this yesterday. Anytime I mow my lawn during the summer, which is a lot of hard work, we've got a corner lot with a lot of space on it. So when I'm done, I literally stand at the mower and I look at it and I go, hmm, it is good. The clean lines, you know, the trimmed weed whacking, all of that, I look at it and I go, hmm, it is good. And for the next three days, which uh, pray for Brianne because I'll be doing this to her, anytime we leave the house or come back, I go, ah, when I look at the yard. <laughs> it's ridiculous and annoying. Uh, but I look at that, and it's good. I do that in my normal work, too. I look at a low email inbox, and I go, hmm, it's good. Or I look at a sermon that's done or a pastoral counseling session, and I say, hmm, it's good. Thank you, God, for your faithfulness in my work. That's good for us to see. But God doesn't just model rest for us. He also commands it. Uh, during the giving of the Ten Commandments through Moses, God says this in Exodus 20, verses eight through 10. He says, remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You have six weeks, or six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. Now, this commandment is where many of us, including some of the religious leaders we see in scripture, can create sort of a legalistic view of our day of rest. And I like that it's actually called the Sabbath, or in Hebrew, Shabbat, which it literally means he rested, referring to God's work in creation. But it's easy for us to look at this and start to, to overcorrect, and as I did when I used it as an excuse not to help my friend move, we can use it as an overcorrection, an excuse not to do the good work that God might be calling us to do. So even in my own life, uh, I don't always uh, you know, have a full day where I don't work at all. There's some Saturdays when I typically take my Sabbath and I have to do a wedding or there's an emergency and I need to go to a hospital or something else comes up. So we need to be careful of this legalistic approach, which thankfully we get to see this modeled really well and fulfilled through Jesus. So as we jump forward to the New Testament, let's see what Jesus says about rest. And this, my friends, I believe in all of the scriptures is the most important passage we can find on this mega theme of rest. Jesus says this in Matthew 11. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. I love looking at the ministry of Jesus as it relates to rest because you see its ultimate fulfillment and its ultimate purpose, especially in, this, in what Jesus just teach, uh, taught us on. He says, come to me and I will give you rest. You don't need to be legalistic about it. In fact, if you've read a lot of scripture about the life and the ministry of Jesus, you'll know that Jesus frequently got in trouble on the Sabbath because he would heal people of incurable diseases. He would heal them of ailments that uh, were hurting people. And the religious leaders at the time, because of the Ten Commandments and rules that they added, human rules to the, the Sabbath day, they would look at Jesus healing and helping people and say, you can't do that, that's work. I mean, how dumb is that? <laughs> Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary, 
and I will give you rest. And he challenged that legalistic approach of his time by speaking to it oftentimes very directly. One of them was in Mark chapter two, where he says this, that the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And so the son of man, referring to Jesus, is Lord even of the Sabbath. So Jesus is the ultimate authority on the Sabbath and he places it in the context of a relationship with him, not following rules, but coming to him to receive this gift of rest. Jesus also demonstrates this with his loved ones in his ministry. Uh, after a week-long sort of mission trip or impact trip, Jesus' 12 disciples, his closest followers, came back from this and check out this story of him as they returned. It says in Mark chapter six that the apostles, Jesus' closest 12 disciples, had returned to Jesus from their ministry tour and they told him all they had done and taught. They were excited, you can imagine this. Then Jesus said, let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. And he said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't even have time to eat. Have you ever been so busy you missed a meal? You worked through a breakfast or a lunch or a dinner? Well, the good news is you're in good company. It happened to Jesus and his disciples too. And so you see here again that it's not a legalistic approach to this idea of rest. It is relational. But it's also important to note here that Jesus recognized, hey, we haven't been able to eat in a long time. So I'm gonna take my disciples aside because I love them and I wanna care for them and we are going to enjoy rest together. For some of us, we might be in this sort of a season right now where Jesus is looking at our lives, our work, our good ministry and saying, you're missing out on the fullness of the gift of rest. You've been working hard and sometimes we have seasons like this. But he says, come with me and I will give you rest. To summarize this theme, this idea of rest that we see throughout the, uh, the Bible, it's this, that God's gift of rest leaves us refreshed to work our best. My wife literally laughed out loud at me when I said this the first time. She's like, seriously, three rhymes? <laughs> I was like, hey, it's an effective tool to remember, okay? But it's true, God's gift of rest leaves us refreshed to work our best. We see throughout scripture in the Old Testament and the New Testament that the model that God shows, that he demonstrates, and that he talks about, he even commands, is that you and I need rest as healthy rhythms of transition from our work. So we don't just rest to replenish, it also helps us to prepare to go back to work in a good way, replenished and excited to do what God is calling us to do. When we don't rest, we risk burning out. We risk, as the author of Hebrews said in chapter four, we risk missing out on God's gift of rest. So what does that actually look like, you might be wondering. What does rest look like? If we're not supposed to be legalistic about it and we're not supposed to be ignorant of it, what's the sweet spot? Well, this tends to grow and progress as we follow Jesus and as we grow in our faith. But let me offer to you three different ways that you can enjoy rest. And then we're actually gonna practice it as we close the service. But to start, the most natural starting place for rest is to spend time with the Lord daily. Remember, Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary, and I will give you rest. 
It's always seated in the context of a relationship with a God who loves you and who cares for you and who demonstrated that through Jesus. So my encouragement for you would be start your day with the Lord. Some of you are already practicing this. Some of you have maybe never done it before. Some of you are not warning people, uh, which just so you know, you're in good company. It's not my natural disposition either. <laughs> and you're thinking, oh my gosh, I don't wanna get up early and spend time with the Lord. I get it, but I must tell you that I don't know a single person who has ever gotten up early and spent time with the Lord and regretted it. Not a single time, even for people who aren't morning people, have they mentioned this wasn't a, a worthwhile use of my morning before I go to school, before I go to work, whatever you're doing that day. And thankfully, it's really easy to do this. I think we have some of the best tools now ever. You can spend time just reading scripture, you can buy a devotional book. If you use the YouVersion Bible app, which is a free thing to download, I encourage you to do so. They actually have great devotional offerings there. Uh, sometimes when I'm getting ready for work in the day, especially if it's an extra early morning, I'll spend time in prayer with the Lord as I get ready for the day and I'm brushing my teeth or getting ready. Uh, there have been times in my life where while commuting to work, I'll put the audio version of the Bible on in my car just while I commute and I'll listen to some of the word of the Lord and I'll pray and I'll talk to him about my day. And it is such a gift. So my encouragement for you is consider your daily rhythms with the Lord. And if you can't make the mornings work, I get it. <laughs> some of you as parents especially are like, Eric, you don't have any kids. You don't know what the morning is like. So you better buckle up, buddy, for someday. <laughs> I get it, so even if it's in your afternoon, over lunch, or maybe in the evening, spend time with the Lord daily, and I promise you, it will bless you. Another opportunity is weekly or monthly, another rhythm of rest. Uh, once a week, I, I try to take a Sabbath day. And again, I'm not legalistic about it. If you ask me to help you move, I probably won't say no. Uh, depends on you know, your clothing pile situation. But being able to rest weekly is really helpful for us, and it's healthy. You can have a day that you set aside to be able to worship and enjoy time with the Lord. This is why they call the Sabbath day holy. You can spend time with your loved ones and your family and make sure you're not neglecting those important relationships. Even once a week, I, I like to spend extra time in scripture on my Sabbath day, usually early in the morning so that I can be replenished through that relationship of coming to Jesus and saying, hey, take these burdens I'm putting on myself, take them from me. It's really helpful to be able to do. So I'd encourage you, if you can make this work in your calendar, do it. And if you can't, try to do it at least once a month. I'm actually working on a rhythm right now of doing this monthly with, with a, a dedicated day once a month where I get extra time away with the Lord just to pray and to listen to him and say, God, what do you have in store for me in my work right now? What am I missing? Where do I need to grow in my faith? And it's hard to do. I'm looking at my calendar and I'm like, when am I gonna do this? But that's my next step of faith to be able to enjoy God's gift of rest even more. And then lastly, and this one is probably one that many of us try to do regularly, but maybe you don't think about it in your faith. It's annual rhythms of rest. Whether it's a vacation that you get once a year or a staycation, it doesn't have to be big or extravagant, but to get out of our normal rhythms of rest or of work to enjoy a new rhythm of rest at least once a year can be super helpful and healthy for us. I know for me and my family, and I've done staycations where I mow the lawn and you know I take four days instead of three days to go, ah, it looks good. But it is so refreshing for me once a year to be able to get out of my normal work rhythms to enjoy time with the Lord. 
And I get it, not everybody has the gift of getting that much time off, not everybody can find a way to work around their season of life if you're a parent or you're entering into retirement sometimes. Ironically, that can be one of the busiest rhythms we have as you enter into that new season. But my encouragement for you is try to do this annually at some point, and I promise you it will bless you and it can give you an opportunity to draw closer to the Lord and be reminded of rest as a gift in the context of relationship with him. I encourage you to do that. Now, if you hear all of those options and you're thinking, that's ridiculous, I can't do this, or it's gonna be a couple of weeks before I can implement it, let me give you some encouragement that it's not overly complex. It's just spending time with Jesus. He says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. And one of my favorite ways to be able to do this is through one verse in scripture, and we're gonna practice this together. It's out of Psalm, chapter 46, verse 10. And in this Psalm, in this one verse, there's a statement that is profound for many followers of Jesus over thousands of years. And it simply says this, be still and know that I am God. Just be still and know that I am God. Now, if you're not a follower of Jesus and you've come here today and you've never heard about this opportunity that through a relationship with Jesus in faith in him as your Lord and Savior that he offers you rest, today's the day. In Hebrews chapter four, the author even says, don't miss out on this gift, today is the day. And so if you're weary, if you feel heavy burdened, if you feel burnt out or answered yes to any of those questions I asked earlier, let me just invite you Put your faith in Jesus. And we would love to talk to you about what that means with our prayer teams, or if you talk to one of us as pastors after the service, we would love to talk to us. We would love to talk to you about what it looks like to come to Jesus just as your first step. But for those of you who are followers of Jesus, this statement, this Psalm 4610, can be a great way for you to practice rhythms of rest, even in the interim of your walking to your next meeting you're driving to work, or you're just having a stressful day and you find a quiet place to be still and know that he is God. So I want us to practice this together. This is a great way that you can do this. Memorize this verse, be still and know that I am God, and then repeat it over and over to yourself and simplify it. And it's amazing to see how it can be a great gift and an easy thing to do in a very short amount of time to be able to enjoy and receive God's gift of rest for you. So let's practice this. I'm gonna encourage you to close your eyes and I'll lead us through this, but know that this can be in your tool belt to start even today to enjoy and receive God's great gift of rest. God says in Psalm 46.10, be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am. Be still and know. Be still. Be. Take a deep breath with me. You feel that? That peace that comes from being still and knowing that there's a God who loves you? who modeled rest not because he had to, but did it because he knew it would be good for you and for me. 
to feel his presence when you do that, to be still and know that he is God and he's in control. Even when your life feels out of control, he is in control. And he proved through his son Jesus how much he loves you, that he was willing to give up everything to have that relationship with you. And that that invitation from Jesus stands both for the first time of starting a relationship with him and continuing a relationship of faith with him. To come to him if you are weary and heavy burdened and he will give you rest. Let's pray. God, thank you for the gift of rest. Thank you for loving us and for demonstrating it for us. Help us not to fall into a legalistic approach of rest or an ignorant one, God but help us to take the next best step to be able to enjoy and receive the fullness of the gift of rest that comes only from a relationship with your son, Jesus. God, we ask this in the mighty name of Jesus, and we thank you in advance for the rest that you give to us. And all God's people said, amen. Thank you, church.